Hello and welcome to the Teach Strong Talks podcast. My name's Sam and I'm a primary school teacher on a mission to help school staff discover truly effective approaches to wellbeing. This podcast is all about tapping into the knowledge and experience of real experts who can break down the research and the tools that we can apply to our everyday lives to feel happier and healthier. Joining me on the podcast today is Kate Jane. Kate is a teacher, coach, Thrive practitioner and mentor at Mentor Mums. I was really keen to chat to Kate about the work she does as a coach and how she uses it in her role as Senko at school, but we also find out about Kate's journey to where she is now, the various roles she has, what she does every day to stay happy and healthy, and the recommendations she has for staff and schools for embedding well-being. Enjoy the conversation and I'll catch you on the other side. So hello, Kate, and welcome to the Teach Strong Talks podcast. Hello. Nice to see you this afternoon and catch up with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for giving me your time this afternoon to come on the show and talk a little bit about the the work you're doing in, in coaching and your Senko role as well. So how about we just start from there? I like to ask this question to lots of guests that come on just so they can, so our listeners can get an idea of who are who we're talking to. Um, I like to ask, so what does a normal week look like for you at the moment? So I'm now my 20th year of teaching. Um, I haven't always taught. I spent my 20s working for charities in London. I worked for a deafblind charity and a HIV charity. And then um, I got married and my husband and I went on an amazing year-long honeymoon all around the world for a year. And um, when we came back, we decided we didn't want to go back to London and we moved back to our hometown of Plymouth. And that's when I decided it's time to do my teacher training. I didn't want to do that in my 20s. In my 20s, I wasn't ready for that. I've been to do my A-levels. I've been to university. I just wanted a break. Um, so it felt the right time to train. And I'm kind of giving my age away here because I've now been teaching for 20 <laughs> years. Um, and the last six years of those have been spent as a Senko in my current school, which is a two-formentary primary school in Plymouth. And we've got about 400 children on our roll. So it's quite a busy job. Um, I'm the Senko, the mental health lead. I'm also a member of my SLT and a Thrive practitioner. So there's quite a lot to fit in mm. um, in my two and a half days at school. Um, but every day, I really count my blessings. I feel so lucky to work in a really supportive school. I've got colleagues who will always check in on each other. And you never, ever feel like you're alone. So I feel really lucky to work where I work. Um, I'm part-time saying cope. The rest of the time, I'm a mum to two teenagers. And I thought by this stage, maybe I might want to work full-time again. But I'm finding really teenagers need you just as much as small children to be around for them. So I'm really happy to be at home the rest of the week with them. And being there when they come home from school and checking they're all okay and just making sure everything's working for them. But the lovely thing about being part time is that I've also got a little bit of capacity in my life. So I spend some of my time as a volunteer mentor for an organization called Mental Mums. Mm. And um, they're an organization where um, mums mentor other mums as they return from maternity leave. 
And, you know, that often involves rejiggling your whole lifestyle. Um, you have to change your hours because you're involved in like the nursery drop off um, and just really working out how you're going to manage your new work life balance. So it's been really nice to kind of use some of my coaching skills um, in that role as well. So quite a few things going on in my week, really. Absolutely. Some very varied and interesting things going on. That's fantastic. And I did have a look on your profile and spotted that you that you volunteered at Mentor Mums, which I think is a sounds like a fantastic project. It's um, questions around returning from maternity leave seem to come up on social media quite mm. often, don't they? I think people of mm. um, um, new mums can be quite unsure about what what to expect and 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 you know going back and perhaps asking for a, a change in their days of the week and going part-time and all that different thing. And it can be a bit um, tricky, can't it? So how, how great that there's a project out there that helps new mums. So that's Mentor Mums, isn't it? Is that that's right. Yeah, they are on, yeah, at Mentor Mums on Twitter. Yeah. Good. Cool. Excellent. Just to give them a bit of a shout out. Brilliant. So um, so two and a half days in a school and you explain about your role as um, Senko. So we want to today talk about the kind of crossover between that role and also your your work as a coach in coaching so could we um now go on to that how did you get into coaching why did you decide to get into coaching what is coaching perhaps as well for some listeners that um we, we're starting to see it a lot more on social media now these coaches that are offering their services which is fantastic but what does that mean to get a coach and how did you get into it <laughs> So, as I said, you know, I was talking about my role that I work in a really supportive school. So, um, and that extends to the governing body who at one point suggested that the senior leadership team all have some coaching. Um, some of our governing body worked in professions where coaching is much more widely used than in schools. And they felt that the senior leadership team could really benefit from some coaching. And coaching, um, generally is thought of as a one-to-one compensation and it's a conversation around development and it could be personal development in your own life or it can be career developments um this coaches specialize in lots of different things but really it is about someone sitting alongside somebody and supporting them to take next steps and make plans to move something forward in their life and it is really forward thinking so in that way, I say it differs from counselling, that counselling often looks backwards, whereas coaching is looking forwards and making plans to move forward. So we were really lucky. So the six of us in SLT were all given some time to coach. And for me, that came at quite a good time. We just had an offset in school and it was a good offset. We only had one next step. So there's lots to celebrate. But actually, mm. I think we'd all agree that after Ofsted, no matter what the outcome is, I think everybody always feels a little bit fragile. It's a tough <laughs> process. It's really challenging. And it's always, you feel like you need a little bit of time to take stock. So it was a really good time just to sit with a coach, um, spend time reflecting, celebrating, and planning next steps and actions. Um, and I really felt that I really benefited a lot from that myself. And there's things, I mean, that coaching took place three years ago, and there's things that I still do in my daily life that is related to those coaching sessions, those early coaching sessions. Um, my coach, he encouraged me to practice daily gratitude. And in fact, all of SLT, he told us all to practice daily gratitude. So that's something we were all doing. And that's something I still do now. And on Twitter and the 
the hashtag three good things. I practice that every single day. So looking around me, trying to find something to be grateful for. And on some days for me, that can be the tiniest thing. It can be a warm cup of tea as I come home. Um, I'm grateful, especially now, there's so much about the fuel crisis to come home and turn my central heating on. That is amazing. Um, or if I've had a really difficult meeting, what about that colleague who supported me in that meeting or I can talk to her afterwards? There's always a glimmer of something to be grateful for. Um, there is quite a lot of research out there about gratitude as well, that people who um, practice gratitude, they've got more feelings of hope happiness, optimism. So that is something from my coaching. There's early sessions that I still take forward. And also my coach and I talked a lot about affirmations. And gosh, there's affirmations that I'm using all the time. I'm probably using some of them as I'm sat here now, Sam. <laughs> so some of them that I practice each day is I always <laughs> trying to think, um, I often think this will pass. Whatever's happening, this will pass. And that's mm -hmm. an affirmation I have every single day. And, and there's something that I add to that one a lot of the time is, come on, Kate, you've survived this before, you can survive it again. So my coach and I used to work on that quite a lot. And another one I work on a lot is be in the moment. Um, when you sit back and stop, often the moment is okay. You're usually worried about something in the future, but what you're doing in that moment in time is okay. So those are some really good things I took away from coaching. But more than anything, I thought this is something I really want to spread a little bit more. We've been really fortunate at SLT to have this, but we've got 60-odd staff in school. It'd be lovely to actually be able to share that with other people. So I approached my head teacher and I asked if I could do a coaching course. Um, I've talked positively about my school quite a lot already, really, but um, they're really good at just encouraging people to um, complete CPD and develop people. Um, so I did a postgraduate qualification in coaching and mentoring at the University of St. Mark and St. John in Plymouth. Um, and mm. that was a really good qualification that just really helped me to understand from an academic point of view what is coaching but also to practice my coaching skills. Um, and, you know, it's a qualification I'd encourage lots of people to do if they're given the opportunity. Great, yeah. And it's it's such a lovely thing, isn't it, when you go on a, a course or a bit of a journey yourself and learn something and you just think, oh, why didn't I know this earlier? And then you just want to put it out into the world, just get as many yeah. people um on board as possible you know I've found that as well and I've done um, courses around nutrition or I've done courses around breath work or, or mindfulness meditation and, and you learn this it makes a difference to you and then you just want everyone else to be involved because you just want well, you want those benefits for everyone else yeah, don't you absolutely so, brilliant brilliant <laughs> and great to hear about those things that you're still using now the three good things like you said gratitude is something that's um you know, there's been lots of studies around gratitude like yeah. you said that can result in more positive emotions better outlook i think even reductions in in pain uh, experiences with pain as well all these things there's so many different ways three good things um you know expressing your gratitude to a person or all these different things writing a letter a short whatsapp we like to talk a lot about that at teach strong as well the power of gratitude fantastic Absolutely. so I find, find time the more sorry sam the more you look for it the more you find it don't you once you start looking for gratitude you can find it everywhere so it really is quite a powerful thing 
Completely, yeah. And like you said, it, it's the, it can be the smallest thing, but how can you appreciate the big things in life if we're not imp- appreciating the little things in life? And, yes. and like you say, I think you are, um, you're kind of, you're, you're wiring your brain, aren't you, to, mm. to look for those things and try to focus on the positive. And I think that's where some of these benefits come from. So how does that cross over with your work as a Senko and at school? What does it look like in, in your school at the moment as a coach? So after going on the course, I tried to think about different ways that I could use coaching. And obviously there is, you know, the more familiar role that most people are aware of, that one-to-one coaching with colleagues. And it has been good that I've been able to do that. So I have coaches and my colleagues. Um, and on top of that, I've been trying to think, well, how can I use it in my role as a leader as a leader, like every other leader, I'm accountable for an area in school. I'm accountable for all the children by CND. So my role involves a lot of monitoring, so book scrutinies, learning walks, uh, lesson observations. So if you're trying to think about how I could improve all of those things by involving coaching. And I decided to start with looking at our book scrutinies. And myself and another member of the SEN team like lots of the leaders, we'd spend a whole day, we'd get all the books out, we'd look at the children with CND, look at the quality of learning in their books and the progress we're seeing. And we spend a long, long time doing this, type of feedback. Then we would sit down with each teacher and go through their feedback with them. And then some of them would say, well, actually, I'm do- already doing what you've asked me to do, but you just can't see it in my book. And we knew that sometimes when we sat looking at the books and we knew there's a better way to do it. So we decided to start using a coaching approach. And by that, that meant with each teacher, we'd spend some time sat down with them with their books open and actually look at the books together. Mm-hmm. And we would always start with each question. And we start with the question is, what do you want to get out of our time together? And that's the most powerful question we've started to use What do you want to get out of our time together? And sometimes in the first five minutes, we can solve so much just by asking that question because we're taking it away from us directing it as the leaders to the individual teacher getting what they need out of that. And it could be the thing that's been keeping them awake at night. They then tell us at that point. And sometimes we can solve it really easily. So... We'd then start with that question and we'd follow the GROW model of coaching. And the GROW model, which is um, created by John Whitmore, is one of the most popular models of coaching. So the G is the goal. So that's the what do you want to get out of our time together? So that'd be our first question. And we'd add some probing questions to that. And then we would move on to the reality. So what is happening at the moment? And that might be when we look at the books in a bit more detail um, tell me about this lesson tell me what happened for this child um, what impact did that have how did you know how did you feel about that and then we'd move on from the O of the growth to so the options so what can you do now mm. what are you thinking about doing and explore those options together and of course you know I'm the Senko and I'll be there my SEN team so we are at times going to move between being that coach to being a mentor it'd be silly not to offer suggestions at times if we've got that expertise but really trying to support the teacher will come into their own solution because I think we all know that as individuals when we come to our own solutions it's much more powerful than being told what to do 
it matches our teaching style, it matches our thinking, so it does stick a lot more. So then after the options, where we'd go to the W, the will, the actions, what will you do, what's your first step, and create an action plan. And by doing that, we have just found we're actually noticing the change in our teachers much more than from before when we gave them a piece of paper and said, actually, this is what I think you need to do next. So that's been really positive. And we've had like three cycles of that in school now, and it's, it's making a real difference. Um, and I think whenever we've been sat there, I try and always think about um, the work of Christian Van Neuerberg, who's really big in the coaching world, world and he'll say like, it's not about me as the coach, it's about you. So actually it's not how I'm feeling as a coach, it's how that individual is feeling. So we've been using that at school. And then just trying to just gradually, because I anything is school, you don't want to be changing everything too quickly because you want things to embed before you move on to something else. So just trying to find other ways of using coaching in school. And more recently, we've been trying to um, give our teachers all a bit more coaching training. Some of them have had it already, so they can be doing that peer-to-peer coaching. In all of our schools, we've got so much wealth of experience. We often don't need to be going outside for experience. We've got it within the building. So we're trying to actually have those coaching conversations, make time for that. So there is that personal CPD. You know, Of course, we're always going to have things on our school development plan we want to work on that we're going to be working on together. But individually, there's things we want to be working on too. So it's just trying to find lots of different ways that within our school we can be using coaching. So that's where we are with it at the moment. That sounds fantastic. I, I love it. I, I love using the the grow model that you just said for for those meetings and through the book scrutinies or monitoring or whatever because what a refreshing change and approach that is because how often do we still see you're thinking things might have changed by now but they haven't really have they how, how often do we still no. see the cpd that's offered which is just a powerpoint up in the screen and you are talked at for one hour and we know that that's not the way to to make meaningful change is it um no. but it still happens and I, I understand why it happens you know people teachers are so pushed for time aren't they and people that yeah. uh, the people within school that have that are doing offering the cpd are pushed for time as well and so it's kind of lots of people are doing the best they, they can but what if more people knew about these coaching style approaches and and that grow approach where like you said you're 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 not just sitting down and telling the teachers what they need to do you're letting them um, explain the, the way that they think they should be moving forward and like you said that's much more powerful when we come to our own conclusions and we know our why mm-hmm. and and that applies to how many different things or ac- across all of our professional and personal life if we want to make meaningful change if we know the why and, and we've come up with ideas and approaches ourselves that's the way to go, isn't it? If we, if I tell someone, right, you've got to exercise, you've got to eat more healthily, it's it's not the way to go, is it? They've got to yeah. discover this. And, of course, we can, like you said, we can um, nudge people in the right directions and ask the right questions to get them to, um, you know, moving in that direction. Or even, yes, get to that point where here's some information, go away and digest this. Or I, I, I would suggest that you try this. Um but still, yeah, that coming to our own conclusions and our own outlook that, that we want to pursue. So amazing to hear that the work about the work that you're doing. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> so um, 
I kind of, I mean, I guess aside from that or as well as that, what other approaches do you, do you think that schools could be taking? I mean, you've you've given a fantastic summary of, of a, an approach that lots of schools could be using already, thinking about not just the role of a senko and, and the support that's offered to teachers, but the whole, you know, across the range of subjects, um, could we be using those approaches with teachers? But is there anything else that you think schools could be implementing to improve um, outcomes in pupils, but also improve the well-being of teachers? Just any other thoughts that you might have, um, Kate, feel free to share. <laughs> um when I completed my coaching training, one thing that was talked about, and again, is this um, person in the coaching world, Christian Van Neuburg, who's, this is the book, Sam, his book, Coaching Skills. Um, he talks a lot about being a coach and coaching is about a way of being. And a big part about that way of being is um, holding your colleagues in positive regard so one of my favourite coaching quotes, coaching quotes, which I just really like, is you can with your beautiful untapped potential to be untapped and released through coaching. And I think, actually, if we just all just sit back a little bit in school and just hold all of our colleagues with positive regard, positive outlook, I think it makes a massive difference to relationships. So... I don't know how long you've been in your role in your school, Sam, but, you know, when you look at the recruitment processes in schools now, there's a lesson observation now normally. There is um, a task. There's and the interview. So we all work really hard recruiting our teachers. And so all of our teachers in school are good teachers. And I think we just need to hold that intention in our heads all the time that actually our colleagues, they are good teachers. And it really makes a difference to how you view each other. We're very you know, good, I think, at saying now um, all behaviour um, is communication with our children. But when do we do that with our colleagues as well? So really trying to have that coaching way of being where actually kind of having a really positive viewpoint of all of our colleagues, I think, can make such a difference to well-being and how we support one another. And I think just adding to that with that coaching way of being, all of our interactions with each other, you know, do we start them? What do you want to get out of our time together? When you have any interactions with colleagues, when you meet together to do something, you know, considering that question, what a difference that makes. If somebody asks you what, you know, what do you want to get out of our time together rather than them telling you what they think you want to get out of your time together. I think that is really, really useful thing to be doing. And obviously as a Senko, I meet with parents a lot. So it's a really useful question to be asking our parents as well. Um, mm. rather than driving that ourselves. So those are really two informal ways, I think, mm. of bringing coaching into school, really simple ways that you don't need any training to actually support wellbeing. But I also think if you really, really want to make a different investment in coaching in your school, I think it can be so useful for staff wellbeing. Um, so that could be about, you know, investing in staff training, training a member of staff like I've been trained so that they can provide one-to-one coaching for their colleagues within school and that just does make a big difference to well-being so whenever I coach any of my colleagues in school I'll ask them quality of life measures to start with so I'll ask them to um, um to rate their relationships out of 10 their finances their health their confidence 
their exercise, their sleep and their work and all of those lessons to mark out of 10 and doesn't matter what we're talking about, but let's mark all of those quality of life measures. And at the end of those six weeks coaching sessions, they all would have had improvements in that. And, you know, if you're happier at home, you're happier in school. If your health is better, you're happy in school. All of those things impact on school. And whenever I offer coaching to my colleagues, I'm really always open as well that it doesn't have to be related to work. It can be related to anything. Because if we're going to look after our members of staff, we need to look after them in all aspects of their life. So I think, you know, investing in coaching in whatever way that looks in your school is really, really important for your staff. And all of this, when you said, you know, impacting on people's will we know if we've got happy staff and well staff, then actually that does, you know, impact on people's when our relationships are good in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that is the the mission of Teach Strong: create happy, happy, help create happy and healthy teachers for the for the inspiration that then that they can then provide to the pupils. Of course, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, Kate. And so often we, like you said, there's so many good teachers in schools, but we we don't know what's going on at home. We don't know what's going on with family life, with money, all those things. And so, if someone is struggling at school and if we don't get to the bottom of the reasons then you know no amount of cpd or observations or scrutiny is going to improve that is it and it could just be that simple question about okay tell me a little bit more about what's going on in these different areas like you said and if we can work together to improve those of course there'll be a knock-on effect i mean sleep of course if people are struggling with their sleep which often people that work in schools are struggling with their sleep at the moment of course that has an impact on so many things Mm, emotional well-being uh, energy levels mood all these things um and so it's so important let's remember to treat the school staff as the humans that they are and and find out everything that's going on and help as much as possible and going back to what you said about the the quote that you mentioned and holding colleagues in positive regard is that is that how you phrased it yeah it's it's so true isn't it and I've heard it put a slightly different way, but just assume the best in people. Just always assume the best in people. And that's something that takes a little bit of work, I think, because, well, social media, the news, past experiences, other types of conditioning that we've had growing up, we can be, we might be more wired to expect the worst in people, which is such a shame, isn't it? Because because actually most people are good people wanting to make a difference and just trying to do the best they can for themselves and for other people. So assume the best in people, I think, is a a powerful reminder that you've just offered there. Thank you, Kate. So fantastic. Those... (laughs) <laughs> sorry to interrupt those two approaches that you mentioned two really practical approaches and then and then um other bits of information and then just like you said if if a school is interested in finding out more about coaching and the difference it could make then you know, get in touch with kate or check out social media and all, all these different things that could be a resource to find out what a difference coaching could make in your school brilliant well, let's move on to a couple of the kind of wrap-up questions that we have at the end of every episode. And the first one is your your three top tips. And you've already given some amazing tips, Kate. So it's going to be, you're going to struggle to top them. <laughs> but if you could offer 
three takeaways from this conversation that our audience can go away and apply just three kind of short little snippets that um that you could offer that would be amazing I think I'm going to be repeating myself here, Sam, if I'm honest. So um, the first one, it would be trying that coaching approach. What do you want to get out of our time together? Mm. Add that question into what you're doing and seeing what impact that has and how quickly you can solve some things by doing that is a really powerful question, I find. Um, Then secondly, just as an individual, try perhaps in daily gratitude you, you know, you don't have to write it down anyway. You don't have to tweet it. You don't have to do anything with that, but just having a go at that and just noticing that impact on you. If you force yourself to do it, you will find it. So I go out for a 30-minute walk every day. I don't take my phone with me and I'm just looking at, I'm looking for, you know, what is amazing around me. Look at that beautiful tree. Oh, it's quite quiet out here. Um, oh, this is nice. You know, I feel healthy enough to be out for a walk. Just if you're looking for it, you absolutely will always find it. So have a go at practicing that. You've got nothing to lose by doing that. And, you know, it's known to impact on your well-being. And then the final thing is just if your school isn't invested in some coaching, why not book some for yourself? If you hurt your back, you'd pay to go to the chiropractor. You wouldn't think anything twice about paying to go to the chiropractor. You might pay, pay to have your nails done. You have your hair done. All these things we pay for our gym membership, but we might, you know, we might not think about paying some coaching, but actually consider maybe that's something you might want to have a go at paying for yourself um, because it does have a positive impact on yourself. So just really think about how you can incorporate some coaching into your own life. They would be my three takeaways, I think. Fantastic. Love all three of those. And the last one, it, it reminds me of a tweet I saw recently, actually, that talked about um, how, you know, you can pick up a book and see, oh, it's twelve ninety nine off. Maybe not. But then how often do we buy a two ninety nine or a three ninety nine birthday card that is going to get sent out? It will sit on a shelf for a week and then it will be gone. And it's kind of that, that difference is so interesting. We could spend a little bit more on a book that could literally change our life but we're kind of reluctant oh that's a bit too much money I'm not sure about that Mm -hmm. and I was talking to another friend about some of the um supplements that I've recently um started purchasing and and trying just to see if they make a difference to both my physical and mental health going off on a bit of a tangent here but um just some of these different supplements that I'm trying um and I mentioned it to a friend and I I said how much it costs per month for some of these things and he was like oh gosh that's that's way too much I can't believe that and I was like well this is a this is a gentleman who I won't name that has you know uh, one of those beer subscriptions that will pay X amount of f- per month for beer to be delivered to the door. And if that's your thing, absolutely fine. But it's quite funny how yeah. if you said that to, in a group of friends, you'd be like, oh yeah, fantastic. No, no one would bat an eyelid. But you mentioned spending about a quarter of the price on some supplements, then oh, that's a bit too much. How, how have you got the money for that? <laughs> Yeah, it's about it's what we prioritise, isn't, isn't it? You know, what we just consider to be sure. important. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Right. And then the the final question that we like to ask is, what's that one lesson that you wish you had have been taught when you were a child? Okay, so I've been thinking about this one. Um, And I think for me, it would have been really useful to have some sort of career coaching or mentoring when I was at school. Um, I I was a middle uh, working class child um, 
And I often think of that phrase, you can only be what you can see. Mm. So actually my aspirations are very much linked to um, the jobs my parents are doing, their friends were doing and, you know, what was happening around me. So I think as a child that had been really, really useful. And I think the person I probably would have really, would have really probably blown me away to deliver that lesson would have been Glennon Doyle. I love Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. You know, in her book, she writes about rip up the memos about what you've been taught about what you can do or you can be. And for her to have shown us girls in our Catholic comprehensive school in the 1990s, all the other things we could have been, um, it would have been really, really um, useful for us to have seen that. And I guess as teachers, you know, it's us really considering that phrase all the time that you can only be what you can see. We try to, I think, be a lot more diverse of our curriculum and making sure that children um, are seeing lots of different ways of being, um, but just making sure actually we're trying that they're seeing outside of their own lives and their career choices and what they could do. So I think that would have been the lesson that would have, could have made a difference to my life. And certainly for me as a teacher to be considering actually, am I ensuring those children who are in front of me um, are actually able to see more than, you know, what's in their current worlds, really. So, yeah, that no. would be the one for me. I think that's a really important one, for sure. Just just taking stock and, and taking a step back and, and thinking, is yeah, is this the route that I want to go down? And knowing the different options that are available is a very important lesson as a child and also still as we grow up isn't it because we can still <laughs> grow up into adults and we perhaps followed a, a path that was expected of us rather than what we truly wanted and thankfully lots of people realize that and then um you know happy to make a, a career change or a whatever personal circumstances change and yeah i think it's a very important lesson thank you for sharing that one thank you right fantastic so as we come to the end of the conversation, um, where can people connect with you, Kate, if they want to get in touch, find out more about the work you're doing, um, get, in yeah, get in touch with you, where, where can they find you? <laughs> so I'm on Twitter at Kate Plimmer, Plim, um, and mm -hmm. I have a website, katejane.co.uk, if people would like to get in contact. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for offering your time this afternoon. Um, really useful conversation. Um, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with the Teach Strong audience. <laughs> thank you, sir. It's been good to chat this afternoon. Thank you. Okay, well, a big thank you again to Kate Jane for joining me on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I found it really useful. Just a few key takeaways from Kate there about approaches that you could be utilising in your school to improve the well-being of staff. If you did enjoy the episode, please hit like on wherever you are listening to this podcast. Follow us if you're not already doing so. And also, please feel free to share with friends, family and colleagues who work in education you think might find this conversation useful. Thank you again for joining me and I will connect with you soon.